Hey, it is a post-draft Will Levis. What do you call it? Like a moratorium, moratorium? I don't know. Some kind of deal as I sit here in beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Harvard Crim last home game for the great Tegan Shaw, my stepdaughter, coming up at this afternoon. We got a doubleheader and we want, uh, tomorrow. And we are in an Airbnb. I got the whole family. I want you to be me for just a minute. I do. I want you to be me, mother-in-law, stepson, stepson's friend, ex-husband. We'll all be here, ladies and gentlemen, in the Airbnb. All right, thoughts. Anthony Richardson drafted to the Colts. I'm going to get into a ton of draft stuff today. Burgess Owens, our model, some guy to join us. NPR says thin is racist. Everything's racist. Why don't we just say that? But the truth of the matter is, Anthony Richardson, I'm all in on. I'm just glad there was no Will Levis. We told you and told you and told you over the course of however many weeks we've been talking about the draft that Will Levis has a punchable face. He does. He's just got a punchable face. And you could make the argument that Will Levis was a media creation. But here's the deal. I was going through things this morning. Did you know that none other than Mel Kuyper had Will Levis rated well ahead of C.J. Stroud? Mel Kuyper had him rated ahead of Anthony Richardson. Did you know this? Is this something that was in your wheelhouse? So it's not like this guy doesn't have talent. It's not like this guy was poorly thought of. It, it, I would imagine that when people went into the Levis brain, they came out with what I've been saying. A punchable face is usually a defense. And I'm not saying he is. That's so unfair of me to say. I'm just giving you the way that I look at it. If the face is punchable, the bag is deep. It, it, I don't know why. I mean, you could say that this is a punchable face, and I'm sure people that say this is a punchable face will say that I'm a deep bag. But I'm looking at Will Levis, and I've told you this, so I'm like, man, I just, there's something there I'm not digging, man. There's something there that doesn't do it for me. There's something there that I'm not, I'm not having. I'm just not. Um, but I am in on Anthony Richardson. I'm I in on Anthony Richardson for a few reasons. One, I love his brother. I mean, what the hell? His little brother came up and said, hey, man, I'm so proud of you. I want you to do this. Let's keep going, blah, blah, blah. It was awesome. I'm in on Anthony Richardson because he's got a cannon for an arm. See, I believe, and no, I am not in the I believe that talent is the number one thing you got to have along with fit. You can't bring a jerk. Like, I, I'm going to say this. If you're an organization that brings in Jack, you know what, then you're not going to win anyway. Those days are gone. Like the Raiders being the Raiders back 100 years ago and bringing in every Melton. Those days are gone. Guys work too hard. Now. Guys are too talented that. But if you're going to be a team that knows, all right, we got to have fit, then talent is the number one thing. It just is. Now, that sounds simple, right? No, it's not. Like here in Colts world, they're telling us how good Michael Pittman is despite the fact that he runs like a seven-flat fork. That ain't good. It's a guy that got an opportunity. I want real talent, and that kid right there has real talent. Now, is he NFL ready? Of course not. Obvious talent, way, way, way far away from being able to do things that are going to win you championships. 
in a division, in a side where you're going to have to compete with the best of the best quarterback. But he's got talent. He's like the guy that runs a 4-2-40, and you're just trying to get him to run the right routes. Not that he can't catch the ball. Anthony Richardson can sling the ball. You're just trying to get the guy to run the right routes. And if you can get the guy to run the right routes, you've got something special. If you can get Anthony Richardson's feet squared away, throwing the football a little more accurate, then, ladies and gentlemen, you've got a chance to have a dynamic quarterback in the modern era of NFL quarterbacks. And don't think the modern era of NFL quarterbacks means black quarterback. It doesn't. It means a guy that can do a lot of things, sling it, run it. I'll still remember, and so i got to use a white guy. We all know Trevor Lawrence running away from Ohio State's defense. That's what sold me on Trevor Lawrence. Now, is Trevor Lawrence great? We'll see. Certainly made improvements, but he is a mobile running quarterback. Joe Burrow, even with the knee, can still get it done. So Anthony Richardson is the kind of guy that you're going to build things around. Now, Bryce Young, he goes first. And I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again. There's absolutely no reason Bryce Young should not elevate immediately if he's good enough. If he's got to be good enough. And there's a question whether he's good enough. Was he the best of a mediocre lot? And I'm not only talking about the quarterbacks. I'm talking about this entire NFL draft. Was he the best of a mediocre draft? He went number one, which means he was thought of as the best. But was he the best of a mediocre offensive deal? So he is going to be asked to elevate. I'll tell you who else is going to be asked to elevate C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud and the Texans, they made moves, man. Will Anderson Jr. and C.J. Stroud, are you kidding me? That's dynamic. And what happened? Our guy here, you know we like to pick on Greg Will because eh, he's a bag. But anyway, our guy here was complaining the other day about people trying to circumvent C.J. Stroud. All these nasty rumors, and he named names, yeah? Just a made-up story, just another draft made-up story about C.J. Stroud dropping. C.J. Stroud didn't drop. C.J. Stroud went second. I guess you could say he dropped from going first, but everybody pretty much knew that Bryce Young was going to go first. So C.J. Stroud goes second, and then they made moves. Will Anderson, that's the equivalent of Daniel Negrano, all chips are in. It is. All chips are in with Texas and with the Texans, and i got to tell you, um, I like it. I like it. Excuse me. Gosh, I got allergies. Anyway, um, you go all in. I'm all for you. Now, Mel Kuyper didn't really like it. Mel Kuyper put down, yeah, I don't really like it, but I don't care. And don't give me the value stuff. Here's the deal with the value picks. The value picks are this. There's a couple things with value. We heard a lot of value because the Detroit uh, Lions took a running back that they could have got later, according to Kuyper and others. And I like Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper a lot, a whole. So I'm not picking them. I'm just telling you what they're saying. And then they picked the, the defensive player from Iowa, Campbell, that was the third-ranked linebacker, a second-round pick, maybe at best, according to the analyst. And everybody says about, well, you know, value. Look, here's the deal. If you like a player, pick them. If you really like a player, pick them. If you got a first-round grade and nobody else does, good for you. I mean, who cares? If you like a player, you go get that player. And in particular, if you like a player enough to be a first-round draft choice in the NFL, you don't wait. And only the people that truly know, only the people that interview, only the people that have been around and inside a particular team's culture understand what is going on here. 
and good for Detroit doing what they felt is best, and it'll all come out in the wash. It'll all come out once games get to play. All right, see that guy right there? See Will Levis? Here's the first thing I'm doing today. Uh, I'm firing my agent. I'm firing my agent. I'm telling my agent it's great. Thank you for your service. You're gone because his agent did not know the lay of the land. His agent did not understand that he, ladies and gentlemen, Will Levis was going to be the guy that could be sitting there like he was last night, buck ass naked in front of the world. And that's exactly what Will Levis was last night. That's exactly what that kid had to go through last night. And it is not Levis's job to understand who's going to get drafted. Well, it is not Levis's job to make sure that he is not sitting there in the green room getting hugged by his mother, father, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, hot girlfriend, or whomever. It is not his job. It is the agent's job. The agent is responsible, wholly responsible, completely responsible. And I'm firing him immediately. I don't care if it is. I didn't even look it up. I wouldn't even look it up. In fact, maybe I should look it up. But I'm sitting there going, I don't care who this agent is. I don't care if it's Lee Steinberg. I don't care if it is you name it. If I am Levis, I am saying to my agent, you have one job. One job. And that job, ladies and gentlemen, was to put me in the best possible situation. Period. He's with CAA. He's with Creative Arts. Good for him. And creative artist is the biggest. And I got to tell you, I'm fired whoever it was. I fired a CAA agent, a guy named Kramer. A guy named Matt Kramer. I fired. It took me about two minutes when I realized he wasn't doing nothing for me. Called him up. I said, hey, uh, Matt, I'm firing you. He goes, okay. I said, goodbye. And that was that. I'm firing today, tomorrow, and the next day. And I am just glad that the Colts did not take him. I've talked about it, I've talked about it, I've talked about it. I am just glad that Anthony Richardson, I am not, I don't care. I just didn't want it to be Levis. All right, big news of the day. The real winner of the day is none other than Lamar Jackson. My dream of Lamar Jackson going to the Colts guy. Maybe we'll get Lamar Jackson 2.0. Isn't that what we say? 2.0. Maybe we'll get Jackson 2.0, but you got to hand it to Jackson. Five years, I want to get this right, $260 million. $52 million a year. I want you to think about that for just a second. Let me break this down. Okay? $52 million a year. $185 million guaranteed. $185 million guaranteed. That's a hell of a face right there. You're welcome, people. Now, everybody said, including myself, you got to have an agent. Somebody on our show, I don't know who it was, said things like, well, you know, well, you know, and you're not going to let you sign a contract without an agent in the NFL. That person was wrong because my man just got five years, $260 million, $52 million a year, $185 guaranteed to play the quarterback uh, in the NFL. He's not saving lives. He's not curing cancer. He is simply playing quarterback. In the NFL, and ladies and gentlemen, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, it's good to be Lamar Jackson. Think about Lamar Jackson. 
he got this even though he's off injured. So they must not care that he is off injured. He not only got this scratch, but you know what else he got? He got himself a wide receiver. Or at least he got himself a potential wide receiver. We don't know whether uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a real guy. I don't know. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. And I will tell you this. That Odell Beckham Jr. has a chance. And now, because of what they just did with Lamar Jackson, now Lamar Jackson is sitting there and he won. I mean, say whatever you like. He won. He 1,000% won. There is no ifs, there is no ands, there is no buts. He won. Lamar Jackson is the winner of this draft, period. And there is nobody else. Nobody. I mean, don't even think about telling me that anybody else is the big winner. Yes, all these guys that get to sign, they are winners. We don't know if any of them can play. But Lamar Jackson, to me, is the absolute 1,000% big winner Period. And congrats. He bet on himself. He bet on himself. He didn't need an agent. And it leads me to ask a question. All right. Uh, will others do this? Could the agent business be going out of business? Could the agent business be stepping aside? Huh. Huh. I don't know. Uh, a lot of fans in Indianapolis, let me jump back to this because I just jumped out of the YouTube chat. A lot of fans in Indianapolis are not happy. They are not happy. This quarterback pick is trash. Really? Why would you say that? I mean, have you not paid attention to what is going on in the NFL? Have you not paid attention to what's going on with quarterbacks that have to move? Now, am I saying that he's the best? No, I will tell you. I texted Urban Meyer last night. He said, Dan, obviously, uber talented, but far from ready. Well, I'll take the uber talented right now. I will. I'll take the uber talented over Gardner Minshew. Sean Black, Anthony Richardson is met. See, I would argue Anthony Richardson is anything but met. Anthony Richardson, Sean, may be bad. Anthony Richardson may be a bust. Anthony Richardson may be great. He may be the next big thing. But I feel like meh means it's uninteresting. See, to me, meh is like, well, Gardner Minshew. Meh is, well, no, I'll tell you who the all-time meh is, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is first team all meh. First team. Like, if you're going to say to me, and this isn't a reflection on his race, this is a reflection on his ability, who's the most vanilla quarterback in the NFL? Got to be good enough to be considered, right? I mean, you know, Cousins is at least good enough. Cousins is at least uh, good enough to win you, what, 13, 14 games in the division. He's making a ton of money. But to me, he is mad. To me, he's a guy that could have played in 1976. To me, he's Bob Greasy. Bob Greasy was a great player, won Super Bowls, don't get me wrong. But I always felt in that era, Bob Greasy was mad. I know your Purdue fans would get mad and say, no, he's great. I love Bob Greasy. He's so good. I can't even believe he's that. Blah, 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 blah. I like Kirk Cousins as a person, too, man, Pastor Matt, but I'm talking strictly as a quarterback. Man. Man. Now, I will say this about Anthony Richardson. See, 
Most white dudes are going to say, well, I didn't like the blame that he had. See, I like the blame. I'm all in on the blame. What the hell? If you're going to be a starting quarterback coming to a town, then you might as well act like a starting quarterback coming to a town. Now, that shocks you that I would say that, I know. But look, I'm so in on Anthony Richardson because of what his little brother did. That's probably got me more than anything else. But I'm just also very much in on Anthony Richardson because Anthony Richardson's name was called not Will Levis. Now, let's all be honest. I suppose if Will Levis was coming to Indy, we might all be saying things like, oh, man, he can really sleep. Oh, man, did you see the body on him? Oh, man, have you seen the things that he can do? Yes, okay, I get all that. I do, I promise you. But the fact of the matter is he's not coming. I'm thankful for it because he, ladies and gentlemen, has a punchable face. Now, this dude won absolutely nothing, Anthony Richardson. This dude has shown absolutely nothing in terms of winning a game. Yes, he beat Utah early. And then here's the dangerous part with Anthony Richardson that you'll only hear here. All right? Anthony Richardson won the first game against Utah and then was off. Now, I'm going to say that again. He won the first game against Utah. But after that, he was off. Now, what does that tell you? Here's what that tells you. That tells you that Anthony Richardson kind of let all this crap go to his brain. It tells you that Anthony Richardson wasn't a serious guy. He liked the crap of getting a big win. He didn't like the work of going out and getting another win, if you follow me here. That's what the great ones do. They want more. Now, I'm also going to say Anthony Richardson's only 21 years old. I'm also going to say that Anthony Richardson is a young kid, only started 12, 13 games in his entire life in college. But you have to, ladies and gentlemen, you must, you got to want more. We want more, more, more. In the midnight hour, man, we want more, more. That's what you got to be as So it was an interesting night. I feel like the Texans did good work. Uh, people are kind of poo-pooing it, gave up too much. Hey, look, let me tell you something. You need stars, you need playmakers. And you know what they did? They went out and they got themselves a couple of potential stars, certainly potential playmakers, and I'm all in on that. Sean Black, 53% of his passes, 2,517 touchdowns, nine interceptions. That isn't lighting the world on fire. I don't disagree with you at all, Sean. But I'm just saying, I think at least he'll be dynamic. At least he'll be interesting. Does that make sense? No, he was horrible. Stetson Bennett outplayed them all. It's awful. Terrible. Ridiculous. But the truth of the matter is, he's going to at least be interesting. Like when he tears off on a 30-yard run, we're going to go, holy crap. That's pretty good. Or maybe he doesn't play. I don't know. Armando Sandera knows all of this stuff. No, but he's like Sheffy right now. I'm looking at Armando right now. And he's on the phone. He's breaking news. He's He's got it working. He, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Armando, give me your overall. What did you think of the draft? What was your, what was your thoughts? My, my draft um, thoughts were, number one, Dan, that I was going to lose my mind if the Houston Texans left the first round without a quarterback and without the second best quarterback prospect in the draft having the second best uh, you know draft slot in the draft. You cannot have the number two overall pick and pick anything less than the number two overall 
uh, quarterback when your other quarterbacks already on the roster are Davis Mills and Case Keenum. So all this like smokescreen stuff about, well, we don't, we may not pick a quarterback number two. It was driving me crazy. And I said it yesterday on hot mic. Uh, if they, if they leave the first round without picking the best, the second best quarterback, they're, they're stupid and they should be fired. And thankfully for Nick Casario, I'm not firing him today. So that, <laughs> that, that was number one. Um, my second thought was on Anthony Richardson. Um, I look, I mocked him to the Indianapolis Colts uh, on the outkick mock draft. So it makes sense to me that they are going to go ahead and develop him and the same head coach or the same coach who developed Justin Herbert with the Los Angeles Chargers and developed Jalen Hurts with the Philadelphia Eagles last year. Yeah, basically, Anthony Richardson is going to play for the same coach who developed Justin Herbert in Los Angeles and Jalen Hurts the last couple of years in Philadelphia. I think that that bodes well for him. I'm not sure that he's going to be either of those guys, but he's on his way to at least getting coached up, developed well. When you look at Richardson and you look at Levis, okay, let's just take those two. You know, both are strong-arm guys that did not have great years. I get it, okay? Why did Levis fall out of the first round? <laughs> well, I mean, he, he has thrown – uh, I think something like 23 or 25 interceptions in the last, you know, couple of years. And so that probably doesn't help his cause any. Um, I, I, I talked to him on Wednesday. And all I can say, Dan, is a quarterback has to be a consensus builder, a leader, uh, someone that you can get behind. Someone that you can kind of rally behind. That dude doesn't feel to me like someone that you rally behind. He feels to me like an individual who's concerned about, you know, his stuff. Um, you talk to the other guys who were there and they were talking about brotherhood. And All right. So Will Levis is a weirdo. We're, we, we've established that and I like it. Um what did you think of the moves but the Texans made non-Stroud where they end up moving up for Will Anderson? Yeah, so, look, there's people that are saying they gave up too much. You know, they gave up a first, they gave up a third. Um, the first next year, a third, some other stuff. The Houston Texans are bereft of talent. and and they have a lot of draft picks. It's time to turn that, flip that, that script a little bit and have a lot of talent and maybe be bereft of draft picks. The Kansas City Chiefs love the fact that every year they pick last or next to last or close to next to last, and they're good with that. Why is that? Because they're kicking everybody's butt when the games, when the lights go on, and you know, they're on the field. 
they're fine with not being the stars and the champions of the draft. They rather be the champions of the league during the season. The Houston Texans have been the champions of the draft for a couple of years now, and they need to change that around. And so when you pick up C.J. Stroud, who supposedly will be their starter uh, this season, if not right away, fairly soon, because it's, a, it's time for him to start developing. And, and then they get the best edge rusher in the draft. I, I got no complaints with that. Uh, that's fine. That's, that's the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to strive for, I'm going to hoard draft picks really high, uh, because I traded away all my talent in, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, and my team has sucked the last two years. Um, did anybody, people are talking about the Detroit Lions not getting value. Where are you with the whole value thing? Well, value is good. Good players is better. <laughs> right? I mean, so values is inside baseball stuff that I just kind of roll my eyes about because, look, for example, the Atlanta Falcons, people are saying, oh, my God, at number eight, you picked the running back. That's not value. If the dude is Barry Sanders, I think people will say, wow, that's value. We don't know yet. Just because he's a running back doesn't mean that it's not value. It means that they just decided that's where the best player in the draft was for them at that moment in time. And that's where they went. I'm with you, brother. I, I, I say, I always say this, and do you agree? If you like a player and he fits your culture and he fits your team and he fits what you feel, you feel you need, you go take him. And and back to Bijan Robinson a second. That's a good, that's that's a good player, a versatile player. He can play in the slot. He's going to be your your you know, not necessarily your bell cow back because he's not going to carry it 400 times, but he's going to be your lead dynamic back. How good with that? If he fills those, those uh, jobs and he's a mismatch all over the field because he runs 4-3-8, hey, well done. <laughs> Like, Armando, I don't care where you get them, but in my way of looking at the NFL, playmakers matter. I don't care. Debo Samuels, playmaker. Travis Etienne, playmaker. Guys like that are playmakers, and the more the merrier in my sorry world. Playmakers matter. Uh, and, and by the way, people think playmakers, they think wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, maybe tight ends. Uh, defensive ends in today's NFL edge rushers are playmakers. There's no more of a game-defining, game-changing play than a strip sack. <laughs> Where the Look, the Super Bowl, that wasn't a strip sack, but that was a dude picking up a fumble and returning it for a touchdown. Uh, and... Guess what? It turned that game around. Uh, 
cornerbacks, safeties, they're playmakers. Uh, now, obviously, a center is not a playmaker. Guard is not a playmaker. Uh, I, I get that. A nose tackle is not going to be typically a playmaker. But the, the, the term needs to be widened a little bit because I see a lot of NFL games that, that are defined by guys that aren't necessarily holding the ball every single play. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I've said this, you know, um, a corner is a playmaker. I, a, a guy that can play multiple positions as a running back can be a playmaker. I just like guys that win. Let's take offensively. When the ball's in their hands, you kind of go home. Let's see. You know what I mean? You kind of sit up straight a little bit when the ball's in their hands. Absolutely. Um, also, I, I didn't mention – notice I didn't mention offensive tackles. Look, if if the guy that's the edge rusher and can turn the game around is a playmaker, then the guy who's blocking him, if he does it really well, he is a playmaker defensive guy. He is a, a playmaker defining uh, player because he should be getting paid well and be drafted high to stop that other dude that can just wreck your game. Um, that's why people don't like the, the pick by the Titans. And I didn't love it, but Darnell Wright to, to the Titans at number 10, the offensive tackle, not going to score touchdowns, not going to, to be in the box score, but fills a need, keeps maybe – Ryan Tannehill this year upright, which he had trouble being last year and the last couple of years. Um, I get it. It, it, it. It's fine. It's good. They still need a quarterback, but, and they might get one because Hendon Hooker is still on the board. Your friend Will Levis is still on the board. Uh, your favorite player. Uh, so they might still get one in the second round, but they did all right with the offensive tackle in the in the first round. Um, when when you look at Levis and you look at Hooker, one of the interesting things about the modern NBA uh, NFL draft is it, it okay? I get it. You get embarrassed on draft day, right? But still, being a second round pick, if in fact they both are second round picks, you still got a hell of a chance. And the team that drafts you thinks highly enough of you to do that. Second round isn't a death sentence like maybe it is in the NBA. No. Tom Brady was picked in the sixth round. <laughs> uh, Austin Eckler, who's led the NFL in touchdowns the last two years, uh, he was an undrafted free agent. So I I'm, you know, yeah, that's one of the things about, I guess, the the NBA that is interesting to me, that the, the draft is over after about 17 picks, even in the first round, and we're done, and everybody loses interest. And that's what's beautiful about the NFL draft, where guys that are picked today, even guys that are picked tomorrow, even guys that are un, unselected, that are, you know, getting... $2,000 signing bonuses on Monday, those guys have a chance to compete and to make teams and to make, make plays that matter for those teams. By the way, the culture in the entire NFL is a beautiful thing because 
Yeah, yesterday, all these guys, these 31 individuals were picked, and they are the most important players that were just added to their teams. Today, uh, the same thing will happen. No. But, but, but when they get together as a team, the guy who was picked last is just as important to those coaches as the guy who was picked first because that guy also has a chance to, to you know, show what he's got and maybe factor. Uh, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant last year. And no, he didn't start right away, but he sure did finish. And if he hadn't gotten hurt, I don't know that it would have been the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. I totally agree. I, I, I do. Do you anticipate Levis and Hooker going round two? I think Hooker should go. I had Hooker in the first round. I love Hooker. I think he's special. I, I realize he's going to be 26 years or, you know, 26 years old. I realize it's, it's you know, obviously um, a knee injury and he may or may not play this season because it happened late last season. I, I get all that. But at the same time, I just, I just love the makeup of the guy. I think, I think he's he's special. Um, with Levis, Mr. Weirdo with a hot girlfriend, uh, you know, look, uh, I don't know. It, he's going to be on the all-selfie team, even if he, doesn't, if he doesn't get drafted today. I assume he will be, but I can't, you know, I can't tell you for sure. You know who I want the Colts to draft? Everybody has their own team and who they want. I'm going to draft Michael Mayer. I'm a big Michael Mayer fan. I I thought Michael Mayer should have gone in the first round. He is a he is the draft's most complete tight end. Uh, you know, Dalton Kincaid went to Buffalo, I believe, and that's good because he is the best pass catching tight end in the in the draft, but. Dalton Mayer, uh, Dalton Kincaid has trouble blocking, so he's incomplete as a player. Michael Mayer is a blocker. He's a pass catcher. He 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 can do it all. And no, he's not Mister Athletic. He's not Gronk. He he's not. You know, at this point, he's not Gronk. But I like his tape. I like the fact that. That he was, uh, you know, t- he's a tough guy, and I think that he, he should have been in the first round. And I think perhaps the fact that there are so many good tight ends in this draft hurt him because the premium on tight ends went down because you can always go back to it in the second round. Yeah, I don't think it may. I like Mayor. I like him a lot. Hey, Armando, have a great day, man. Thanks, and have a great weekend. Thank you, and thanks for fighting hey, through all the crap. By the way, Dan, I said earlier that the, that who the Titans drafted, they drafted Peter Skaronsky, not, not right. whoever I said, and I brain farted. And so I'm sorry that I brain farted on air live. Uh, forgive me for that. Normally, I'm just farting outright. Instead of brain farting, forgive me. Skronsky family, I've known them forever. I knew uh, I knew uh, Bob Skronsky. He went to Indiana, and I, he went to college with uh, 
I guess it would be Peter's uncle, Steve, and his aunt, Patty. I've known the Skronskys. I'm so happy for them, man. Bob was a tough dude, played for Lombardi and the boys back when the Packers were great. That's a great family. Thanks, Armando. Appreciate you, brother. All right, Dan. Yeah, that's Armando. He fought through. See, us outkick guys, we stay together, man. We stay through thick and thin. And so have you people on the YouTube chat. And I cannot thank you all for doing that. You guys are the best, seriously. I need to get presents to everybody. I would have no idea how to get them. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. I mean, look, I know Lamar Jackson won the whole deal, but did you see what Joe Biden said? Did you see what he said about reelecting Donald Trump? We'll get into that. We'll get into why NPR thinks that being skinny is racist, which means I ain't racist. And the NFL draft, I'm not going to lie. I want Michael Mayer on the Colts. I do. I want Michael Mayer. I want Anthony Richardson thrown to Michael Mayer for a long, 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 long time. Hello to my friend Reginald Jones, who uh, joined me. I need lunch, but that's a different story. Hey, by the way, the Celtics beat the Hawks last night. Look, I was watching that game. That game started out, and it was like 8 nothing. And you know what I like about the Celtics? This is what I like about teams that are good. And this is where the Pacers or the Colts or your team, whatever your team is, has got to get back to. So it's a backs-against-the-wall game, right? It's like, we got to have this game. And they just jump out 9-2. to two. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what you do. You're tired of hearing about Trey Young. You're tired of hearing about the Atlanta Hawks. You're tired of hearing that, oh, they won a game, now they go home, blah, 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 blah. You're tired of all of it. So what do you do? You just say, ah, screw you. You're done. Adios. I've had enough of you guys. Uh, good luck, good day, goodbye. And next thing you know, you win the game, and away you go. You get rid of the Hawks. Adios, goodbye. See you later. Sayonara, Laka Noach, whatever the right word. I think Serbian is Laka Noach. And I ain't mad at it. Anything Serbian, I'm good with. But look, let me go back to tight ends for just a second. I know I'm nuts on this. I know I'm insane on this. But let me ask you a question. Aren't tight ends like the second most important position in football now? They block. Some of them run, for crying out loud. They get down the field. They catch. They do all this stuff, and next thing you know, you're going to sit there and let Michael Mayer go? No, the Colts have the fourth pick in the second round. Bring Michael Mayer to Indianapolis, and then I'm going to get excited about this draft, period. Period. You bring those two together, I'm in business now. And I would say the same thing if I were C.J. Stroud and the boys from the Texans or whatever team. You know, name a team. Carolina, if you all of a sudden added Michael Mayer to Bryce Young, Hey, I don't know about you guys, but that's something I can get down with. It is. I, it, it, it just, there are certain teams that you're like, hey, I, I, I want a bit of this. I want a lot of bit of this. So anyway, that's my take. All right. Did you see our man, Joe Biden? Come on, people. Like, I know that we are so divided, Republican and Democrat. And I would even say this to you, okay? Even if you're a Democrat, there's no way, there's no way in holy hell that you can support this. My man says we can only elect Donald Trump and my man here, Joe Biden, wants the Flyers to win the Stanley Cup. Only problem is the Flyers were under 500, didn't make the playoffs. Maybe Joe Biden was back in 1975 again. All right, let's hear from the great man, our president, your president. Let's hear from him. What's the first one? Let's see it. And turn. 
turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for, because we cannot get reelect. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me. We can only reelect Donald Trump. Look, I don't. If you're a Democrat, great. But come on. Imagine this guy when he's not all hepped up on whatever meds that he's on. Can you imagine what this guy is on a daily basis? Or can you imagine what this guy is inside the White House when he's meeting with leaders of other nations or on the phone when he doesn't have a script? Come on, Reggie Jones. You and I both know that this can't continue. It ain't getting better. Like, at what time does a person after 80 who has some cognitive crap that leads him to say that, when does it get better? Let's go with the other one. This is from Greg Price 11. Let's see this one. Okay. Do you watch the Stanley Cup playoffs? And if you do, do you have a favorite team? I did, and I do. The Philadelphia Flyers. I'm rooting for the Devils. All right, that's a good thing. That's President of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. That's President of the U.S. of A. U.S. of A. That's the most powerful man in the world. And we literally get embarrassed every time he speaks. Please make it stop in the next election. Even if you got to elect somebody else, I don't care. If you're that big a Democrat and you're going to vote and harvest votes and do all that, just do yourself and all of us a favor. Please. Let's not have, because we can do a whole show on this. In fact, we should. Maybe in like the middle of June, when the NBA playoffs are over, we'll just do a whole show on this, guys, and his gaffes. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney is getting, according to Van Pastor, man, and I agree, exactly what Dylan Mulvaney wants, and that is attention. Dylan Mulvaney is saying, and saying this loudly, she, or he, it's not a she, is calling for the rest, arrest of people that call her a man. Let's see from Dylan Mulvaney here. Like the articles written about me using he pronouns and calling me a man over and over again. And I I feel like that should be illegal. I, I don't know, that's, that's just bad journalism. Well, so bad journalists should be illegal? Greg Doyle had been arrested the first day on a job and not for bad journalism. I mean, what are we doing? That's just bad journalism, really. A dude acting like a lady, acting actually like a teenage girl, is telling the world who should be arrested. It's like that Leah Thomas, like telling feminists, why would anybody care what Dylan Mulvaney thinks about women? Why would anybody care what Leah Thomas thinks about feminists? I mean, these are these. Leah Thomas still has the package. Now, when Leah Thomas gets rid of the package, maybe we can talk. This dude here just plays dress up. This dude here just puts on a little blush looking like Ronald Reagan, pulls her hair back to try to look like uh, Elizabeth Taylor, wears a gown with no rack. And next thing you know, she, uh, he is out here telling us what should be illegal because of bad journalism. Jesus. I mean, pull this in place, jingle freaking bells. You're giving me a headache here, people. Under no circumstances should any of these folks be listened to. My place, the Fairfax Inn, uh, a little bit south or whatever the hell it is of Bloomington, they're bleeding and hemorrhaging customers because they're not letting you in the Fairfax Inn if you're going to talk negatively about Dylan Mulvaney. 
I got a headache. Uh, uh, Joe Biden said, we could literally re-elect Donald Trump. Really? I don't think he's drunk, do you? I don't think he's hammered. Doesn't seem like he's hammered. Uh, NPR, ladies and gentlemen, says it's thin privilege. And that thin privilege is real, Reggie Jones. It's racist, and white people use it to demonize black and brown bodies. NPR, go to hell. Honest to God, I judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin I always have. And I judge people on the size of their ass. And right now, my ass is three axe handles. And that needs to stop. And I know as a guy that has an ass that's three axe handles and back fat, you know what? I'm not as healthy. I don't feel as good. And bad things are happening when I'm that way. But thank God I work out like a crazy person. Stop with everything being racist. Just stop. I read the article, and the article made no sense. I try to look at both sides most times. I try to say, all right, all right, what's going on here? What's going on there? I will say one thing that is racist, and I think most people would agree with me, and I don't I don't care whether people get mad about this or not. I, I have fought this. I don't understand. I read an article a long time ago when I was in college. I minored in African-American studies. And I read an article that made it very interesting about why is there malt liquor only in the African-American community? Why is it advertised only in the African-American community? And I'm going to tell you, you guys may think this is crazy, but the article made a great point about making and keeping African-Americans down. If you've ever had a night on malt liquor, and I have had one, one, a keg of malt liquor made me insane. I was on the roof of the Kai-Fi house. My buddy Kevin Custer and I got kicked out of his own fraternity. We broke windows, pulled fire alarms. I shimmied up a gutter at McNutt, snuck in my girlfriend's room. It, I, I'm telling you, that's the one thing that I read going back to college. But all this other stuff about being thin as white privilege is absolutely out of his out of your mind. Out of your mind. All right, former Louis, uh, Louisville star Haley Van Leet. What's the name of the girl in uh, Blazing Saddles? Very von Stuck. I'm tired. So tired. Remember, remember, oh God, I'm so tired. <laughs> anyway, Betty von Stuck, Haley von Lee, has transferred to play with the ladies, and I don't blame her at LSU. The problem isn't for anybody other than the LSU people, because this woman's father's an idiot. I watched his father for two minutes on TV, just standing up, screaming, yelling, going nuts on official. Haley Van Lee's dad, how about sitting down and shutting up? Now, you're going to be playing with some serious players, Angel Reese among them. You're going to be playing for a coach that doesn't take that mess, Kim Mulkey. And I got to tell you, sit your ass down, let your daughter play. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw that this – uh, Haley Van Leek was transferred. Man, the balance of power really shifted very quickly to LSU. One thing about LSU, man, they'll pay for quality. They always have. They always will. They ain't afraid to open up the checkbooks. And I'm not talking about just now when it's legal. I'm talking about historically. So now this young lady transfers over to LSU, and you and I both know what's going to happen. Daddy's going to get mad, yelling and screaming, acting like an idiot. And LSU will not win another title because LSU is still talking about rings and faces and all that kind of stuff. 
I'm just telling you, they will not win a national championship this year, even though they will be the most loaded team. And somehow, someway, that daddy's antics will become public, even though we are so afraid to criticize women commentators and incredibly afraid to criticize women athletes. I am here for you. Pacers, Colts, uh, Indy is rocking and rolling, or maybe not, but I do like the draft pick of Anthony Richardson. Burgess Owens is a trailblazer. Burgess Owens is fantastic. Burgess Owens is in Congress. Burgess Owens is a, well, he's a, a Super Bowl winning player. He is one of the foremost congressmen in the country. Burgess Owens joins us next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. I'm embarrassed to be sitting here in my, like, looks like a, I don't know, a bathroom back here, you know, and I'm talking to one of the great congressmen in our country, one of the great men in our country, Burgess Owens. So forgive me, but I'm on the road watching my stepdaughter play softball at Harvard on her last weekend as a senior. So we're all fired up. We got an Airbnb, and this is what we came up with. Well, we got to give a proud dad a big break on this one. I'm with you, buddy. I'd be doing the same thing as on your shoes, believe me. So first of all, <laughs> congratulations and good luck. All right, hope things work out okay for you guys, for sure. I got to get right into this. I was watching your speech uh, with Goodell, and I, I can only imagine as a guy who came up when you came up, through what you came up with and how you conducted yourself, you don't have a lot of respect for what Roger Goodell is, but I was stunned to learn that there was actually separate cognitive tests for African-Americans and white players in the NFL. I, I told you off air, I try to live my life with common sense yeah. and can't wrap your arms around the stupidity, how insulting, how ridiculous this is. Well, it's not only insulting, but it's just arrogance. It, it shows uh, what happens to these elitists. They, they do certain things, they get away for so long that they have, they see nothing wrong with what they're doing. But for, for those who are not aware, it's called race norming. It's something that happened when they put this uh, billion dollar settlement in place and, and which they're talking about the uh, uh, the concussion issue. And what they did, for those who've never heard this, the NFL gave separate tests to black players and white players. And the test for black players start off with the, the premise that you're less intelligent. So in order to get the same amount of compensation, you had to be much more brain damaged. It is crazy. Uh, the fact that we have the NFL doing it, we have a, a judge that was part of this process, lawyers was part of it. It only came out because two of the players, NFL players, ended up taking the wrong test. They took the white test. And when that test test came back and it found out they 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 were were uh, they were qualified for this compensation, NFL demanded they take another test. So they took the black test, and that black test uh they failed. Uh th this is something, and I I'm really hoping, Dan, at some point. People get to understand who the NFL is. I mean, we, we get all hyped up because they give us entertainment. But these people have dark, dark hearts. For them to do this to Black Americans, to all Americans, to divide us this way they have, and understand the reason why. When 70% of the players are Black, it gives them a more profit uh, margin when they don't have to pay out Black players like they do the white players. And then we go to a whole different ballgame. I just went to the floor the other day <clears throat> talk about what they're doing in China. NFL... Uh, NFL, NBA, Nike, they they turn their eyes on on slavery, on organ harvesting, all the negative things going on in China because they want to make their profit. So at some point, the truth is going to come out by these these people, these corporatists, uh, these um, uh, gosh, I, 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 it's hard to describe 
an idea, an American that turns it back on our country, on our culture, and, and it's all about the profit for these guys, for sure. Just so people are clear, you're you're not talking about this going back or, or this being in 1955 or, you know, you're talking how recent did <laughs> players take the wrong test and this come to life? This was for the last, uh, I guess, uh, this five or six years, and it just came out uh, last year where they had to apologize. They had this lawyer uh, get on there and apologize to the NFL. Uh, I had uh, had a, a, a time to talk in front of uh, uh, Godell. He came to one of our committee meetings, and uh, he pretty much did the old Fauci thing. It's, it's all about the science. Uh, we basically understand this. If it's all about the science, we're going back to eugenics. We're going back to the days of the Nazi 1930s where people were judged their their intelligence based on their their color. This is absolutely wrong. Uh, what I'm hoping, Dan, is that at some point we start pulling back our highlight, our emphasis on, on on entertainment. These people are entertainers. That's what they do. But they should never be given a pass when it comes down to going against our American way, going going against our culture, turning uh, Americans against each other so they can make profits in other countries. So it, it is. And, and let me just say this real quickly. Just so you know, the NFL has other teams around the world. Ireland, Brazil, Japan, Canada, Sweden, Germany, Mexico, England, South America, and the mother load is China. It was over a billion customers. So what are they doing now? Supply and demand. They've capped out here in the United States. They don't really need the American uh, fans anymore. So you wonder why they've turned their backs on our culture, why they have these players standing up talking about against our, our flag, our national anthem, because they don't need us anymore. What they need is a, is a brand that's not so all-American that fits very well in China. And if you look at what they did with Nike, Nike actually hired Kaepernick at the height of this of his anti-American stuff, and he's now is the face, the international face of the NFL, which is China, of course, is 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 uh, is where they're kind of rebranding rebranding the NFL brand. So I'm just saying this: there's so much when you start understanding, pulling back the curtains of what's behind these organizations, these corporatists, these globalists, and uh, Godell happens to be one of the, the, the one of the, the worst at uh, at this at this process. We we're gonna at some point, America's gonna find out. And uh, we'll we'll make our decision based on uh, what we now begin to understand about this guy. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but our affinity, I don't know if it's affinity is the right word, our reluctance to stand up to China is due to basically one thing, cheap labor. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Um, it's all about cheap labor. You know, you think about uh, the dark stain our nation had back in the 1800s. At that point, it was about cotton, but it's all about cheap labor. You had those folks who were making a very, 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 very wealthy economy that was thriving because the cost of producing manufacturing goods was so cheap. Well, you go to China. Right now, there's over one million uh, Muslim Uyghurs that are in turn. They are slave labor for the Chinese government. They're the ones that make the products for Nike. Uh, they're the ones that uh, makes the, the swag for NFL. And then you look at the TV revenue. The TV revenue is so big. Look at the world hockey, or the world soccer league, how they work around the world every single year. That's the that's the projection of the NFL. They want to have a global uh, league that people tie in whatever their country might be, and they look at it and they get the, the TV revenue because their revenue ta is tagged out. They're capped out here in the United States. So this is the long-term game. And you wonder why, for instance, Godell, uh, with his last four, uh, contract of $40 million, he only – guaranteed 10% of that. 90% of his $40 million per year contract was based on growth. He cannot get that kind of growth in the United States. He has to do it elsewhere. 
And that means turning his back on our country, turning turning it back on our on our fans, dividing us uh, with this this racial nonsense. Uh, it is uh, pushing and, and allowing the the idea of that we're we we are a country to be not be proud of, and letting letting players get away with that mess. Black Lives Matter, the whole bit. That is the new NFL that we have to understand is not not our friends. They're making profits off the backs of our divisiveness. So I'm hoping that America will at some point pull back on entertainment value and see what it's doing to our culture and, 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 and make the NFL, NBA, and Nike pay the price for that. I'm going to throw something back that you just said. I want you to think about what you just said. You said that profits in our country are tapped out by the NFL. That means if, if the way I read what or listened to what you just said, you said that this league has made as much as they can make in the United they, they, they're so big that they now okay we've we've done this we've got all this now we got to go here to get all that think think about this Dan uh there's 360 million fans we have they have literally capped out what they can do here their new market is the billion in China is all these other countries around the world and if they can if they can demean the American brand the brand that we grew up with the brand that was produced by Pete Rozelle and Al Davis, those who believe in our country, if they can demean that, make it a vanilla so that every country they go to, whether they hate us or not, will accept the NFL brand. They have unlimited potential. That is the ultimate of, of betraying our nation when all of a sudden you can do anything, uh, turn your back on your fans, NFL fans, so you can make more profits. That's what the NFL, the go down, is all about. And I tell you, at some point, we're going to have to have these guys pay the price. I don't know what that looks like yet, but the more we understand that our country is under attack and these kind of these kind of corporatists could care less about preserving our way of life, our culture. They'd rather divide us. They'd rather demean who who has a nation so they can make more profits around the world. And at some point you wonder, how much profit can you spend in a, in a lifetime? These guys don't care. They, they just want that. That's their God. Money and profit above everything else is, is, is their God. So um, when you know what you know about Roger Goodell and the NFL. How hypocritical do you see the NFL when they do things like in the end zone and racism and things like that, but you know what you know? Yeah. Well, this is why it's so important now to look back. You see what they did during the Black, Black Lives Matter riots. Uh, Marxists, those who hated our country, divided our, our, our fans and then now we look at what's going on. Keep in mind what's going on right now. We have across our country, these urban areas, thousands of black people being killed every single year. Uh, we see we see an education system that is that has betrayed millions of, of black and, and Hispanic kids every single year. And yet they speak up. They don't say a word. They're silent because it does not. They don't care about black lives. They don't care about Hispanic lives. They don't care about Asian. They don't care about Uyghur lives. They care about profit. Profit matters to these guys. That's all they care about. And it's a dark, dark heart to do that and go to sleep every single night and have no conscience about it. This, these, that's what this, this, this global, this global corporatist um, sports complex is all about. Nike, NBA, and we just, we just had a thing with Enos uh, Freedom just recently because in China uh, he was speaking up against China, talking about the slavery and all that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? They, they told the NBA, if you don't silence this guy, we're going to stop televising you in China. And that's what they did. They stopped. The minute they they, they fired uh, Enos, China TV was, was bringing the NBA all over again. This is, we, we have to understand, the enemy is within now. 
And of course, we do have these guys in China and all these other things that's, that's emboldened, but we have people within our country that care less about who we are. And that's what we need to talk about and, and, and hold, hold to account. I don't think things happen in a bubble. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think everything that happens in front of cameras is, is always what's happening. So let me ask you this. You've been a outspoken critic of Roger Goodell. You have exposed things like what we were just talking about, the testing. Has Goodell, the NFL, at all reached out to you privately? Ha have they done anything of that nature? No, no, they, and they won't. You have to understand the, the mindset of the, the, the globalists, these uh, elitists. First of all, they're arrogant. Um, they really don't think they'll ever be held account because they have not been in the past. What they do not understand is the, um, the power of we the people. They have no idea. The hard left, the Marxists have no idea that at some point, American people say, you cross the line. We're not going to take it anymore. Whether it be coming after our kids, whether people around the country realizing that you as fans, have, you're, they're back, they've been turning your backs on you. You're dividing us. A sport that should be bringing us all together is now be turned into something totally different. So no, don't expect that from, from those these, these bad actors. What I expect is American people, the way, the way we've stood up, when, when all of a sudden our ladies, our girls and women are being uh, attacked, we're standing up. We're saying, this is not going to work. We're not going to go that way. And that doesn't matter whether Democrats, Republicans, Independents. We all have daughters who want to be protected and have their dreams uh, uh, achieved. So we, we, that's a line that we've come to that, that we're not going to cross. The same thing with, with Godell and NFL, NBA, uh, and Nike. At some point, we the people, through our dollars, through our feet, based on what we do and don't do, will hold these people accountable. Adele, it's always said, at least publicly, he is the guy paid the millions to take the bullets for the owners. So it begs the question, Burgess, how culpable are the owners in this entire deal? I would say uh, anybody who sits at that table, the leadership table, uh, and, 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 and watches the direction our country is going on and watching the impact the NFL is, is doing to divide us to undermine our, 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 our culture, to turn their back on slavery, organ harvesting, child uh, sex child trafficking, all the things that's going on right now that we said uh, over 150 years ago, we will not stand for. Those who stand at that table are responsible and culpable for, for this process. And again, um, it, it is it's a matter of, is it profits over patriotism? Uh, is it profits over the Chinese people? Is it profits of the American people? And in this case here, this league, NFL, NBA, and Nike, understand that profit is everything. If they can scale, if they can scale slavery, boy, they can make, uh, they, uh, they're the most profitable businesses in the world. And that's what they're doing right now with the way they are bringing these products over cheap and selling $500, with Nike $500 shoes when, uh, when they, it's on the back of, of people suffering in China right now. I know you got to go for a vote, but last question. Uh, after your discussion with Goodell, has there ever been any movement? Did, did anything change? No, it hasn't. And it's because they understand that American people, first of all, uh, do not, cannot believe pure evil can happen on our watch. We, we, we have this ability to dream above that. And until something happens where we really see in our face what's going on, we're, we're going to believe the best in people. And at the same time, the, the, the idea of sports brings us together. Think about, I mean, this draft thing just happened. I didn't watch it, but everybody's talking about it because people come together. Sports, military in the past have always been that united for us. They've used it to divide us. And until we understand that these people are dividing us in a way we never have, could think would be happening, undermining our country, undermining our culture, 
also can line their own pockets. When we finally get that, uh, things will show up. And, and once we have accountability, that's when the league will begin to act, act right, getting some new leadership. And I, I've, I've made a decision, Dan, I will not watch another, another NFL game. I will not watch Super Bowl games. I don't watch the draft until they change commissioners. That might not be in my lifetime. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But I'm hoping American people will stand up and uh, and do the right thing and, and hold these guys accountable. Like I said, I know you've got to run, and I cannot thank you enough. I hope you'll come back because this is too big a topic to just let go with one or two conversations. Listen, Dan, let's talk about as much as we have to, uh, and I'm pulling for the – for Harvard. <laughs> I don't know who you're going up against, but I'm pulling for Harvard today. All right. <laughs> go Crip. Go Crip. Uh, there we go. All right. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Let's do this again. Thank I'm going to it. Uh, man, that was fantastic. You guys are right. Best guest ever. You're exactly right. I mean, look, there is a realness about what's going on behind. I tell you all the time, there's always a backstory. There's always a back story. And for a guy like Burgess Owens, who played in the NFL, came up, he's 71 years old. That's the best-looking 71-year-old man in America. And, you know, at the end of the day, so here he is fighting a fight. And as, I, as he was talking, I was thinking to myself, man, the NFL, and I'm glad he said it, absolutely brings people together. And the backstory, most people don't know, but to the point of what he said was something is going to hit us in the face. And I hope it is not a tragedy. I hope it is not something where it is so awful, uh, one of these countries that we are acquiescing to. Because remember, remember, I tell you this all the time, and I think a lot of you are starting to listen, kindness is weakness to bad people. It just is. Kindness is weakness. And we're acquiescing, acquiescing, acquiescing to China. We are just letting them fly balloons overhead. And it's all about cheap labor. I mean, we know that, right? You know that. I know that. The only reason that, uh, well, Apple has never made a watch anywhere other than China. Apple has never made a watch anywhere other than a phone, excuse me. Apple has never made a phone anywhere other than China. Now think about that for a second. You want to know why cheap labor? Why is Nike in China cheap labor? You name it. It's the country is run, our country, our corporations are run by cheap labor. Period. Uh, and I'm going to have Carson Cunningham on. He's one of the smartest dudes you're ever going to meet. But I'm going to have him on in a little bit. Once we get clear of some of this stuff, maybe a little downtime in June, and we're going to talk about all of this. We are. So that's the bottom line. I mean, we we all, I really did not pay attention. I always kind of said, well, why, why, why? Why are we so inter interested in China? Why are we so this? Why are we so, well, it's simple. Cheap labor. Hey, can we play, because I just think it's so funny. Can we play real quick, Donald Trump say we got a real, or excuse me, Joe Biden say we got a real like Donald Trump. Can we play that right now? Can we cue that bad boy up? That's one of the greatest things I've ever heard. And turn, turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for, because we cannot get reelect. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me. We can only reelect Donald Trump. If you would have heard the last, oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds after that, you heard everybody laughing. 
And it was one of those deals where, man, like, it's just sad. It's just, it's just, it's a sad state of affairs where people in the audience at a rally for this guy laugh at him. Laugh at him. Oh, man. All right. I'm going to give my winner of day one. I want, I'm curious who yours is. My winner of day one is by far. The Texans. Now, I have seen people say to me, well, they gave up two bucks. I don't care what you gave up. I don't care that you gave up a potential good player or a potential third pick, second pick, whatever it was. The Texans grabbed Stroud, okay? They gave up the 12th pick, the 33rd pick, first round next year, third round next year, and a fifth round. That's fine. You got what is arguably the second best player in the league. The best player is this Jalen Carter, everybody tells me, who ended up going ninth. Okay, fine. So you gave that up. All right. That's fine. I mean, I'm sorry. You gave up a pick to pick the second best and, in fact, the best edge rusher, playmaker, in Will Anderson Jr., after taking the second-best quarterback in the draft. The 12th pick was used, I guess, they said here they gave up the 12th and the 33rd. The 12th was used for Jamar Gibbs. He was involved in a trade with the Lions, and the 33rd is yet to come. But people are losing their mind like, man, oh, man, the Texans gave up too much. They gave up too much. If if C.J. Stroud can't beat out Davis Mills, and if if Will Anderson Jr. doesn't become a 10-sack-a-year guy, then you're right. They gave up too much. But as we sit here right now on draft day, look, you got yourself an edge rusher and a quarterback. What more do you want? Like every year in the draft, when I was doing my radio show in Indy, we would have the fifth, sixth, fourth, whatever – pick in the draft on and everybody points to Tom Brady and everybody says Tom Brady was the six round pick and I say yeah but so was John Boyd yeah so was Flappy Johnny the key is doing what Armando talked about the key is doing what the Chiefs do and finding a guy that can go break a game open uh, in oh I don't know maybe just maybe the seventh round you know, but here's the deal with the Chiefs. You can't really use the Chiefs because the Chiefs have a Hall of Fame generational once-in-a-lifetime quarterback. So an Isaiah Panchenko can come in, Pachero, excuse me, can come in and be a running back. And everybody says, well, you know, you got 830 yards out of a sixth, seventh-round pick. Well, okay. And people say Brock Purdy, well, he was Mr. Irrelevant. Well, sure, he was Mr. Irrelevant, but he's playing on a team that went with me at quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got 5,000 yards out of Patrick Mahomes last year. Listen to Patrick Mahomes' number. Patrick Mahomes' number is two out of three, 67%, 5,250 5, yards, 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He got sacked 26 times, so he got hit a little bit. They bring Chad Henney in, and Chad Henney does good. So you kind of got to be careful with the whole thing about, well, you know, you got to do it the Chiefs way. Well, maybe just maybe Stroud becomes a Patrick Mahomes light. Maybe he becomes a guy that is like Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. 
But until you get that guy, you can't base that. You've got to get guys at the front of your roster that are stars. People get all excited. Well, you know, the Colts for like 10, 15 years have had an undrafted free agent making their team. Great. Don't care. I care about Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and whoever now, Anthony Richardson, whoever is going to be the quarterback. I mean, that's what I care about. Do you not? Uh, I kind of sort of maybe think that that's the important thing as opposed to, well, you know. <laughs> I just, I get a kick out of it. Well, you know, we signed a kicker. See, I think signing a kicker is good business. I think it's really good business. I, I personally think that, you know, uh, you don't care about the kicker and you make fun of the, the kicker until you trot him out there with three seconds to go and you got a 49-yard kick. And you got to make the kick. That's when I say to you, hey, hold on. Once you got to make the kick, then you're like, oh, man, you look around and you're like, I'm glad we paid for a kicker. I'm so happy we paid for, for a kicker. I can't believe that we would have go, uh, we would have tried to slappy Johnny out there. So don't dispel the notion of a kicker. Don't even think about it because you, my friends, would be wrong. Remember, remember the, all right, think about this. I, I, Colts fans, Adam Vinatieri last year was kicking an awful. Remember Jacoby Brissett got the Colts off to five and two. They would have been seven and oh had Vinatieri made an extra point and two field goals from inside the 40. Seven and oh, as opposed to five and two, they would have made the playoffs. Jacoby Brissett might have, might have been a guy that stayed in the league as the quarterback for the Colts. Because if you remember, the court, the Colts said that Jacoby Brissett was a top 20 quarterback and paid him as such. So my point to you is this. Kickers matter, so don't poo-poo this. They matter big time. Big time. Uh, hey, Dan, you look like you're in the head. I'm not in the head. I'm not. This is a this is the front. I should give you a tour of where we're at. We literally, if you watched the new documentary on Netflix about the uh, bombing at the Boston Marathon, we're in Boston and we're literally in those neighborhoods. We're literally like, hey, here's where we are at. I'll give a house tour. I'll give you a house tour. 125 likes and we give you a house tour. What do we got right now? We got 108. <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> yeah, Jacoby Brissett was good, but you got to have a kicker. I want stars. The Texans went and got stars. Carolina, I'm going to keep saying this. Carolina did themselves great things by getting a guy at quarterback in a league that doesn't have great quarterbacks. That's what I got. All right. When we come back, I got the Don't At Me Awards. Don't at me. Hey, Dan, uh, is Pillow an upcoming guest? I hope so. I I'd love to have Mike Liddell on. You kidding me? Oh, I'm having Mike Liddell on.
Love it. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Look, I, I am embarrassed. Um, Shane Beamer, the South Carolina Gamecocks head coach. I got an SEC coach on, and I look like I'm in a damn bathroom. Forgive me. Uh, I have my whole family in Boston. My stepdaughter plays softball at Harvard, and we got a big doubleheader. We got a big three-game weekend. So I said, hey, we're all going. We're getting an Airbnb, and I'm doing the show. And look, it's a bedroom, not a bathroom. So I apologize for the look. Hey, you're a man of the people. That's why you're so popular and so good at what you do. So I understand it. Hope the softball goes great. Yeah, man. Hey, Coach, a um, couple of things. You and I were talking a little bit off air. One of the things about college football and certainly in the NFL is, God dang, what a show. Like pregame of South Carolina, what a show. Yesterday, what a show leading up to the show. Yeah, it was a lot. I uh, uh, I saw that it was starting at 8, which I knew that was going to be a struggle for me to be able to make it to the last pick. And and uh, uh, it was. I took a little nap and then had to wake back up and watch the rest of it. But no, it is. But the ratings will be sky high and people tune in to watch and and they may, that's the reason they moved it to, you know, prom time on Thursday night. They know what they're doing, but they certainly turned it into a spectacle. And there were all kinds of stars from all different industries that were on that draft last night. I want to get into a couple of your kids, but I got to ask you first, because the story of the day is Will Levis. Obviously, you've seen the kid. Um, what was your take? Are you surprised that he dropped? And if so, why do you think it was? Yeah, hard for me to say why. It's just, uh, you know, you never know how those things are going to go. I guess, um, you know, some of the, the the Texans trade him back up to the third spot and then the Colts take in Anthony Richardson. I know a lot of the projections had Levis going to the Colts and things like that from some of those that I was reading. So you never really know how the draft's going to go. And then you had a bunch of teams that didn't need quarterbacks. All of a sudden there was a run of teams like that. But he's a really talented guy uh, from what I know about him. Great young man playing again or competing against him the last two seasons. Uh, he was hurt when we played him this year, but seeing Tate going into our game and then playing him when he played us live in 2021. I mean, he's got unbelievable arm talent, can make every throw on the field, uh, athletic as well. So, you know, it's it's uh, he'll get drafted and, and a team I'm sure will be happy to have him. And I'm sure he'll go on and have a, a, a long career. And I'm certainly, you know, certainly pulling for him. All right, I got to ask you because I got a lot of people from Indianapolis that watch this. Everybody's excited about, you know, the talent of Anthony Richardson. Uh, you guys actually, you know, you got beat by him, but it kind of spurred you, it seemed like, because you went and beat Tennessee, then you went and beat, you know, Clemson. Uh, your thoughts on Anthony Richardson? 
Well, super talented. Um, that's another one. I mean, watching we played them in game 10, I guess. I mean, we had nine nine games of video uh of, of him leading up to that game to watch him and just super talented. I mean, I remember he had a a long run against LSU for a touchdown and then some of the throws he made had made throughout the year. So super talented. I know his best football's still in front of him. Uh, what an athlete. And, and I know, uh, I know Indianapolis is excited to get him and I'm glad to have him out of the, have him out of the SEC East. I mean, I was thinking about it. I, I really hadn't had, I hadn't heard a whole lot about it, but when you think about it, all these quarterbacks, I mean, Hendon Hooker, there was talk of him going in the first round last night. He'll get drafted tonight. Will Levis, we already talked about Anthony Richardson, and that's three SEC East quarterbacks right there. Not to mention Stetson Bennett, who won a Heisman or won a national championship uh, last year as well. So that's some fantastic quarterbacks that we were going up against uh, the last two seasons here at Carolina. You know, you, you mentioned these guys will get drafted. Now, the NBA is a little different. The NBA, if you're a second round pick, you know, it seems like the NBA draft ends after like 10. You know, you had a couple players, one maybe going in the first round. He didn't. Second, second, third round, that's not a death sentence. How do you – did you have to explain that to kids? Do you have to let them know, or is that kind of more the agent's job? I think it's more probably the agent's job. It's certainly we want to be here and lend support, and our guys know that. And you're exactly right about that with basketball. I mean, I never really thought about it, but I was talking with Lamont Paris, our head basketball coach here at Carolina, and – he was talking about that, that once you get past the 10th pick in the NBA draft, there's no guarantee you're going to make the team. And, uh, you know, now if you're an NFL team and you spend a second, third, even fourth round pick on a guy, I mean, you're, you're, that's good stuff. That means you're one of the, you know, tonight will be what the 32nd pick. So to be a top 50, top 100 pick, I mean, that's a heck of a deal. Um, to, uh, and, and really good money. So I know everybody wants to go in the first round and, and everybody has high expectations, but just to get drafted is a great opportunity. And we've seen so many stories across college football of guys that were undrafted free agents and then went on to have great careers as well. So, you know, just with, with our guys, all they need is an opportunity. And, and I'm excited for our guys to get opportunities, whether it comes tonight or, or tomorrow on, on Saturday during the draft. Coach, what, what? You know, we, we only hear from, you know, bits and pieces, but you're the head coach. Season's over. You're recruiting. You're doing NIL. You're doing all these things. What's the process? Like, how does it work setting up a pro day? We only see the stars at a pro day, right? Levis throwing it or Richardson throwing it. But, you know, for other guys, for your team, what's the process on a pro day and how many guys actually participate, for example, in the South Carolina pro day? Yeah, pretty much all of them that, you know, have aspirations of being a, a pro football player because not everybody gets to go to the combine. So it's a different deal. I mean, all these guys have have tape from the 2022 season for NFL teams to watch. Some of them went to the combine, but most of them didn't. So really, the pro day is the first opportunity for our guys to get in front of all the NFL teams. So it's a big day for them. I mean, we had some guys, Josh Van, our uh, wide receiver last year. Um, he uh, he had a, he didn't go to the combine, but he had a great pro day and uh, really ran well, caught the ball well, and, and opened up a lot of eyes, I think, at pro day. So it's a process. It's a really big deal for them, starting in the morning with stuff in the weight room, all the testing, things like that, and then being able to get out on the field 
in the afternoon in front of the NFL teams and do drills and 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 throw and catch and run and all that as well. So it's a, it was a great opportunity for our guys to be able to get in front of NFL teams. And the pro days are, are really, really uh, critical as well, not just with our guys, but then the smaller schools as well that are able to take part in it if, you know, if, if they geographically fit uh, to be able to take part in a pro day like they could here at South Carolina for some of the area schools. Who runs it? Well, we have great people. So for us, uh, uh, George Wynn is our director of football operations and Clyde Wren is our director of high school relations. And the two of those guys kind of organize it with the NFL teams. And then we know what the NFL teams want. And, and uh, once they get here, they kind of somebody from from an NFL team will essentially kind of take charge and, and organize it. But we put together the schedule and and we try and work with the other schools as well to make it easy on the scouts. So typically, our pro day, we've reached out to Georgia, we've reached out to Clemson, schools that are close that all these NFL teams are going to be going to, because what we don't want to do is have our pro day the same day that Clemson has theirs or the same day that Georgia has theirs. Uh, we want to make it easy on the scouts. So typically we try and do it where in consecutive days, the NFL teams, they're able to go to Athens, Clemson, then Columbia to make it easy on them as well. So we try and work with the NFL on that and work with other schools on that also. I don't pretend to be a draft expert, but, you know, the name Shane Rattler has been around forever. Now going into season here, he's going to be discussed. Is, is how much you grew up, you played, your dad, you watched your dad, a guy like Rattler who is going to be talked about among and has been talked about among quarterbacks. How different, how much pressure, how much of a business is this for a guy like Shane Rattler? Yeah, I think it's uh, I mean, it's his future. So for all of our guys, but like we tell all of our guys, that the best thing, best thing they can do is go play really good football here at South Carolina. That's the most important thing they can do to uh, impress these NFL teams as well. But, you know, it, it's a business, but, you know, let's also – uh, let's not make light or let's not lose sight of the the, the college environment, and the college opportunity you have here being with your teammates. And it is truly a business once you get to the NFL. And uh, we want him to certainly have fun. And he's worked really, really hard since he came back in January uh, to start preparation for 2023 and and excited about the way that he finished the season and excited to watch him play as we go forward as well. And, and I'm, I know he'll be a great pro when that time comes also. Coach, you hear coaches talk about, and eh, this guy had a great summer, and he had a great summer. God, he had a great summer. For for what does that mean? Let's just take Rattler. What does that mean? What what does he have to do to have a great summer? Uh, pretty much the bulk of the summer is in the weight room. So in my mind, it means he's doing a great job with his workouts in the weight room, and he's in shape. So when they say he had a great summer, to me, he got stronger. Uh, we met. I met with all of our players last week, Coach, and 101 players, and we talked about here's what we need to see from you this summer. Maybe it's losing five pounds. Maybe it's gaining five pounds. Maybe it's you need to change your body composition. Maybe it's you need to add 25 pounds to your bench press, whatever it may be. Uh, so kind of set some goals for them as far as here's what we need to see for you to make, take the next step. So to me, that would be in the weight room. They did it, uh, What they what we needed to see. Uh, two, they're in shape. 
Uh, we don't, when we're doing, it's a whole lot of running in the summertime, getting in condition to start preseason camp in the season. So we don't need a guy out there that's getting his butt kicked and conditioning and isn't in shape. So if we say he had a great summer, he's in great shape. And then uh, uh, for, for Spencer specifically, I would also add that he grew as a leader that, you know, the summertime, you guys know, you know, this from coaching, like it, the coaches really aren't around a lot of our players in the summertime. The NCAA allows us more time with them than they ever have, which is great. But the bulk of the time is going to be the team with one another on their own. And for them to be able to Spencer to be able to grow in a leadership role. Uh, I think that would be a great summer for him. And then also continuing to gain more and more knowledge about what we're doing offensively. So you asked me when I go to SEC media day in July and I talk about Spencer Rattler had a great summer. It's because he probably did all those things. And then some. You ever say a kid had a crap summer? <laughs> it's kind of like on signing day. You never see a coach come in and say, man, this this hall is awful. Uh, it's not really one of our more disappointing signing classes. No, uh, not publicly. Uh, certainly privately. There's guys that, you know, we're, we're in contact and we're around in the summer. Don't get me wrong, but we're in constant contact with our strength coaches as well. So we know who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing and not progressing in the summertime as well. So we may, uh, those conversations have maybe been had privately, but I'm, I've, I, uh, I haven't come out and flat out said that in a press conference yet. <laughs> oh man, my ex college coach would. He'd be like, "Hey, Bobby Knight would say that guy. He was crap." <laughs> you know, I was like, "Man, <laughs> hey, coach, uh, great momentum going in the next year. You feel it?" Yeah, absolutely. No, the. Uh, Finishing the season like we did, winning our last two regular season games against top 10 teams, uh, having a, the highest ranked recruiting class back in December that we've had in over 10 years. Uh, right now, we've got the highest rated recruiting class that we've ever had here with uh, the class of 2024, the guys that will be seniors this upcoming season. So there's a lot of uh, excitement in our building. There's a lot of excitement outside our facility from a recruiting standpoint and then within the fan base uh, as well. So that's exciting. Love the expectations. We got a lot of work to do, Coach, but love the progress we've made in two years. Love the people that we got in this program and excited about where we're going. Coach, you're always great with your time, man. Have a one You have a great summer, Coach. You have a great summer. I will try. You too, Coach. Enjoy uh, enjoy Boston. Hope the softball goes well. And, and uh, can't wait to be on again with you. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. That's Thanks. You can feel it. I mean, I pay attention. I love the SEC, and I, he's my favorite coach. He comes on all the time. All right. Haley's got a bunch of videos that we got to get to. We'll be right back with it. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, last week she was out, you know, partying in the south of France. It was all bottle service, velvet ropes, and paparazzi. And well, Haley survived, and now she's back. Uh, how was this queen? How was the princess? How was the coronation? Everything good? 
Well, Savannah, Georgia was quite interesting last weekend. There was Orange Crush. I don't know if you know what that is, but it was debauchery on every level. Um, I can't even say on this show some of the things that I saw, um, but I was there for a bachelorette in Savannah, Georgia. Beautiful, so much fun, but I'm glad to be back. Yeah, sometimes you need a vacation from your vacation. Correct. <laughs> All right, what do you got for us today? All right, first up, I have a video from an independent journalist, James Klug, who's awesome. If you don't follow him, you guys should follow him. Um, but he asks people questions on the street, and he got into it with a liberal who didn't really know what he was talking about. So let's look. Trump is Mussolini without the brains or the charm. Mussolini. Let that sink in. Do you know who that is? Yeah, of course. Why, no why, why, do, why do you think you Mussolini? No why do you think Mussolini? You have, you have no idea what fascism is. Can you explain fascism to me uh, that, that you're talking about, just so we're, we're on the same page here? What is fascism? I'm going to get a tequila. Come back here and I'll explain that to you. Wait, but you don't want to explain it to me. Is it, am I getting this correct? Correct. Okay. So you're saying he's a fascist. You're telling me that I don't understand what fascism is, and you're refusing to tell me what fascism is. Is that correct? Not refusing, no. You're you're simply refusing to explain what fascism is to me. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, I don't. No, it has. If I had to guess, I don't think you know what fascism is. It has to do with the amount of time that I have, the amount of time that you have, and fundamentally, you can explain fascism in three words. You wouldn't, you wouldn't fully grasp it anyway. So you know. (laughs) Thanks for your time. (laughs) I mean. My favorite things. Tell me you don't know what fascism means without telling me. He's like, hold on, I got to get a tequila and then I can talk to you about it. <laughs> and I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm a busy man. Um, sometimes what you're wearing tells how busy you are or how busy you aren't. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes, I agree. The trucker hat. Probably gives it away. I don't know. He was like, yeah, he has time to go get a tequila, but he doesn't have time to explain fascism. And then he accuses James of not knowing what fascism is. It's just very interesting. And I think on the left, a lot of times they conflate what words mean just to fit an agenda. They say that um, Trump is a fascist or he's like Mussolini because, you know, he's pro-America, populist, president. But it's like he's not a dictator, but people on the left truly believe that he's a dictator. You know, no facts needed to, you know, make that assumption. But it's just interesting. And it's not just fascism. Obviously, Dan, I'm sure you've been called names. So have I. I get called racist, homophobic, transphobic on TikTok. I get it. It doesn't bother me because I know I am not those things. And I know that they don't actually grasp grasp the true meaning of those terms. And I think it does everyone a disservice because if you call everyone racist and you call everyone homophobic and you call everyone transphobic, what happens when there are actual hate crimes? But everyone in this country is so privileged, they have to make up oppression. There's women in the streets fighting for women's rights. I have no idea what rights we have lost. I'm a woman and I'm like, can someone fill me in? I I don't know. And then you you have Jesse Smollett who has to fake a hate crime because no one would hate crime him. So it's just like these words get thrown around and the more that they get thrown around, the less meaning they have. And now we have people who just, they don't know what fascism is, but they love to throw the words around anyway. 
Well, I think you're absolutely right. I, there's no question. I mean, when somebody would even mention like three or five years ago, uh, racist and my name, I'd be like, oh, that kind of, you know, and now it's like, right. oh, it's just, okay. you know, you know what I mean? And I said somebody didn't like, so hey, whatever, man. You know what right. I mean? But these words, when you actually know the meaning, that's a massive allegation to call someone racist or homophobic, because if you really, it's the true meaning of the word, I mean, that's awful. And no conservative that I know are those things or is those things. But you get called them so many times. It's like it lessens the blow every time, but it's still like it's hurtful. Uh, yes. But I'm what do you do some videos? Go ahead. We're going to go with the first video this week. Greens were pretty slow today. <laughs> Oh, oh, my gosh. oh, I like that. I think he could have left the flag in. I don't think uh, I don't think he was going to get that one in in the first shot. No, 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 <laughs> no. I, I like that one. Um, I was going to bring you one. All right. Give me another one. Go for a car ride and then little boy, little boy, do you want to go? and get a treat and then we'll go get a treat and we'll have dinner and I'll make you dinner and I'll make you, you want to have some salmon? <gasps> oh, you want to have salmon and we go in the car? In the car, we'll go for a ride. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't even like dogs that much and I like that video. I do like my dog, but- I know you like your dog. It's, it's interesting though that we teach our dogs to speak and understand English. It's pretty crazy. All of his favorite words. He's like, car, ride, dinner. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Like, you think, um, well, dogs will understand Spanish. Dogs will understand yeah. Greek. Dogs will understand other languages. You just got to teach it to them, right? I mean, they're exactly. pretty smart. Like, to everybody smart. Whatever their right. owner is. I actually saw a TikTok recently. This girl was fostering a dog. And she's watching this dog and, you know, she's telling it sit, stay, and it's not listening. And her roommate came home and jokingly started speaking to the dog in Spanish. And right away, sit, the dog was sitting and she was like, oh my gosh, she called the shelter. And they were like, yeah, the dog was, um, the, it was like a Spanish family or a spe Spanish speaking family. So it's interesting. They really do like learn the language. They're very smart. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not yours, but look, when I see a dog, I'm not going to get into it. Go ahead. Give me the next one. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I don't want to get in trouble on a Friday. I want a nice weekend. Hide that somewhere on your body. I'm going to turn around. I'm in my pocket. No, you can't tell me, dummy. Okay. Do it again. Okay. All right. You got a hit? It's hiding. Okay. Is it in your hand? No. Let me see. <laughs> Let me see that hand. No, the hand. Let me see your hand. No. Is it in your ear? <laughs> no. Let me see. No. Is it in your hair? No. Uh, <laughs> is it in your shoe? No. Is it in your mouth? No. Let me see. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was my favorite. You're okay. That's the winner. 
that's Ryan's video. And he wanted me to pass along a message that, um, and Ryan's wonderful wife is pregnant. And he said that that is going to be him as a father. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, Ryan's getting ready to have a baby. And that is a great father. To me, that's a great father. Listen, right? kids, kids are very resilient. If you stick a dandelion in their mouth, they're going to be fine. He'll choke a little bit, but he's not going to die. And all in the comments, there's, you know, internet pediatricians being like, you can't do that. And everyone's mad. And then I saw this one comment could not be more true. He's a kid with a mullet. He'll be just fine. Kids with mullets <laughs> survive nuclear war. And I'm like, yeah, honestly, kids with mullets are probably more resilient than than regular kids. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, but you can tell how people are dressed. You throw a mullet outside. They're good. Everybody's good. We're good. Exactly. All right. Where is uh, where's the party in Nashville this weekend? The party and oh, I'm going to Supercross this weekend, like a motocross event at Nissan Stadium. So I'm excited about that. I, I'm probably gonna like try to ask people some questions, some man on the street kind of stuff. Um, but I thought that that'd be fun. I've never been to a motocross event in my life. I bet it's crowded. What kind of crowd they expecting? I don't know. I actually I have no idea. But my seats are like high up, so I feel like it's probably full. But I'm excited. I've never seen anything like that. So I'm pumped. Well, have a great time. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Haley. Follow her, Haley, K-R-O-N-I-A on TikTok. Great TikTok videos. In fact, I'm going to go to one right now. She's always on TikTok, and she's always fantastic. Every time I go to TikTok, her videos pop up, and they're always really, really, really good. Um I'm going to have a great weekend. I am headed over to, well, I'm going to exercise because I haven't exercised in a day. There's a big hill right here. Come here. I'll show you. We'll go on a little tour here. I don't know if Lee is naked or not. Maybe you'll get a thrill, but we'll end the show. Lee, are you decent? She's decent. So this is the Airbnb where we're staying. There's Lee. There's a room here. There's a kitchen back here. Leak. Huh? That's a messy room. Uh, this is where all the action happens. <laughs> right here. Yeah. So we're going to have a, a crowd in here coming up in about, uh, I don't know, a couple hours before we head over to the piano in case we want to tickle the ivories. I can play home on the range. Have a great, great weekend, everybody. Enjoy. Go Crim. We'll talk to you on Monday. What a great week we just had. YouTubers, thank you so much for being here every freaking day. Enjoy.